Hello, rejoicers and friends of rejoice. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We're in the house. You're in your homes or in your businesses. But bottom line is we're going to worship together and we're going to lift up Jesus together in this place. We're going to hear the word and we're going to ask God to ignite us and excite us and bless us and strengthen us and go with us in the midst of his word. His word is a light unto our path, and we should be excited. I know I'm excited to have the opportunity to share with you in this online worship experience. Praise God. I, uh, I want to mention that spiritual leaders, we're, we're getting invested, we're getting involved in trying to plan to make, make sure that we do this properly as far as potentially reopening opening houses of worship. We had an a, a online meeting, a virtual town hall with 380 uh, spiritual leaders involved in that process of go-to-meeting, talking about best practices, guidelines for reopening, and so we're learning a lot, and I just want you to know that, this, that, the, that the spiritual leadership of the Orange County community are invested and involved in making sure that we do this right to the glory of Almighty God. I want to ask you to be in prayer for Crystal Harris. She's recovering, and uh, in prayer for Regina Washington. She's re recovering. Also, in, uh, she, Regina Washington, uh, her mom passed. So we want to be in prayer for them in their hour of bereavement. Ask God to send them comfort, peace, joy, and healing in the name of Jesus the Christ. I want to ask you to, uh, let's read a scripture together. It's Jeremiah, uh, the, the first chapter, uh, the book of Jeremiah, written by the prophet Jeremiah, the first chapter. Verses 4 through 10. We're going to read these texts together. Let's go. Now, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, O oh Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to, you, to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth and the Lord said to me behold I put my words in your mouth see I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down to destroy and to overflow, overflow, overthrow to build and to plant praise God for his word you know we're on a series of messages now entitled emotions and in this series, uh, we're focusing on, you know, how do we grapple with both positive and negative emotions, especially in this season? Volatility, uncertainty, uh, you know, uh, different threats from within and from without, internally and externally. So we want God to lead, guide, and direct us in this season as to how we uh, manage what we feel and what we're going through. And feelings are so vital. Feelings actually, uh, I had a, 
a little uh, alarm system, a fire alarm system last Sunday. They, they are the alarm system of our bodies emotionally, psychologically. They set off the alarm. Amen. They let us know what's really going on. But the issue is, how do we process those feelings? How do we process those emotions? How do we get the best out of how God has built us and designed us? And he has designed us wonderfully, praise God. So I'm going to ask you to go with me in a moment of prayer, and then we're going to engage in this word. Oh, God, we need you. Come in and touch us and teach us, strengthen us and guide us. Go before us and bless us. Meet needs in our lives, Lord God, and allow us to know without a shadow of a doubt that you are with us. Fill us and energize us with joy. Ignite and excite us afresh that we might be renewed by your spirit. Allow your spirit, Lord God, to teach us and to touch us, to comfort us and go before us. Allow the church, Lord God, to rise up and be the church even in this season. Deploy us. Send us out. Allow us to go in your name. Allow us to represent you. Allow us to true, be true emissaries and ambassadors on behalf of the kingdom of God. Thank you for the church universal, and thank you for this church rejoicing the Lord ministries. Thank you for those who are continuing to strengthen the church by their prayers, who are representing you by bringing people to you, by witnessing and sharing their testimonies with others. Thank you, Lord God, for allowing us to have the privilege to allow our lights to shine, shine through us. Is our prayer in Jesus' name, and the people of God said amen. Amen, and thank you, Jesus. So, so last week, we dealt with this emotion called loneliness. This week, we're dealing with emotion called frustration. Frustration. And uh, I put together a little equation for, uh, for frustration. What is it? So th this equation for frustration, uh, frustration is disappointment plus anger equals frustration. Did you hear me? Disappointment plus anger equals frustration. So, so we want to we grapple with this cocktail, this mixture, this, this volatile mixture of emotions that creates frustration. And there's some things we should do with frustration, and there's some things we should do to avoid frustration. But they are emotions that can debilitate. They can, they can hamper our ability to move forward. They can, uh, you know, make us unpalatable, un unpleasant. So we need to learn how to deal with the emotion of frustration. Now, in our text, we find Jeremiah, very young, you know, he sensing and hearing and discerning a call from God on his life. God is speaking to him and telling him, I want you to go and say a word for me. I want you to go and, 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 and live out this prophetic role that I'm giving you. And, and Jeremiah, he's hesitant. Uh, he's fearful. And it's frustrating because at this stage in his life, he feels like I'm too young. I'm underqualified. I am not ready to go out. Uh, and, you know, you can imagine he probably feels like, hey, there are other things that I need to be focused on at this stage and this age of my life. So, so Jeremiah is, is frustrated. Uh, and that causes angst, anger, a little bitterness, a little resentment. But the ultimate feeling that he's expressed is frustration. And Jeremiah, throughout his ministry, 
is a bit frustrated because God didn't give him an easy task. God gave Jeremiah the task of speaking a tough word to the people of God. God gave Jeremiah a rough, a tough, a hard assignment. Matter of fact, in the word of God in the book of Jeremiah, God even said that I'm sending you to a stiff-necked people. You know, you, I don't know if you thought I've ever thought about that imagery, stiff-necked, but that's a neck that doesn't turn to the left or to the right. You know, it's, it's not flexible, it's not pliable, it's not, in other words, he said, I'm sending you to a people who are not teachable and who are not influenceable. You know, they're, they're rebellious. They're revolting against me. And he's sending him, them to, him to, a, to, a, to a rough crowd, a rough audience. And the message that he has to carry is a very unpopular message. You know, it's unpopular with the kings and leaders and the Jewish uh, religious leaders. It, it's, it's unpopular. You know, unlike the priest, the priest is accepted. The, but the prophet, in many instances, can be unaccepted, rejected. Many prophets were killed and slaughtered. Have mercy, Lord. So uh, Jeremiah is looking at the task and the assignment, and he's frustrated. How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to deal with every time I speak a word on behalf of my God, the people reject what I have to say? How am I going to deal with every time I, I think I might move, be moving towards some success, I'm going to in inevitably, invariably experience failure? So, so Jeremiah epitomizes He's an example of frustration. He's a frustrated prophet. You know, he's disappointed because he hadn't been called to a glamorous position. He hadn't been called to be popular. He's been called to do the tough, the rough, nitty-gritty work. He's been called to get his hands dirty. And this assignment, again, is not a favorable one. It's not a popular one. He was going to meet and face persecution. And so Jeremiah is a good example of kind of what we say we will face in this life at different times in our lives and he gives us our marching orders as to how we face it you know and uh, in this season and, and, and even seasons prior to the to the uh, to the virus's infiltration and infection uh, we've all experienced frustration you know I, you know you might have been just ordered something in the mail and and it, now it's your job to put it together, and you're not very handy, and you're trying to put it together, and you're putting it together improperly, and next thing you know, you're frustrated. You know, like, wait a minute. Now, I'm, I'm using all this time, effort, energy, you know, and, and now I feel inept. I feel uh, underqualified. I feel inadequate. I feel insufficient to, to, to do something, you know, in my estimation, I ought to be able to accomplish, but I'm frustrated. And then... You know, I remember when I was in college, I was pursuing, you know, initially a, a, a degree in business, and I decided, let me, let me take some accounting courses, and I took an accounting course, and, you know, halfway through the semester, not, 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 I didn't get halfway through. I dropped the course because I knew it was going south for me. <laughs> it wasn't, I wasn't doing well. It was frustrating. Matter of fact, I took the course again. And when I took the course again, I still uh, dropped out because I didn't have the aptitude for, you know, I had practical abilities in terms of doing finances and, and in terms of the accounting, but, but not the theoretical ability. I couldn't grasp at that point in my life those concepts. So it was very frustrating to discover 
that would not be the trajectory of my life. I would not be going in that direction. But it was also revealing, you know. We've all been frustrated maybe at different times when you had your computer freeze or your computer, uh, you know, uh, 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 crash, God forbid, and you lose data, lose information, lose an email even. Whatever, whatever, it's frustrating. It, 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 it can kind of get on your last nerve. Amen. Uh, and just even relationships sometimes, uh, marriage can sometimes, different instances can occur that can, can cause frustration, family life, children, grandchildren, uh, co-workers, neighbors, uh, any relationship. And, and, and the truth of the matter is you can get frustrated with yourself. Have mercy, Lord. You know, where I just, I'm just not feeling me in essence. I don't feel like I'm I'm doing what I need to be doing. I'm not feel like I'm progressing the way, way I need to be progressing. I don't feel like I'm accomplishing what I need to accomplish. So I'm frustrated with myself. Uh, not to mention circumstances like being unemployed. Now you're frustrated. Being chronically underemployed. You feel like you have more potential. You, you feel like you should be a higher wage earner, but you learn, you're, you're earning less. You don't have the position or the title. So you're frustrated. So, so these are, and, and in this season of so many political uh, squabbles, and so the political upheaval, the partisan politics, the incivility that's a part of the politics, that, that's frustrating just watching that on MSNBC or CNN or NBC, ABC, it don't, don't matter what C you go with, bottom line is it's frustrating to see when things should be laser beam like focused toward trying to meet needs in this season, and you see things get derailed by partisanship. Have mercy, Lord. Frustrated. You're married, and, you know, you feel like in the marriage that, you know, the investment and involvement in the marriage is lopsided. You feel like I'm putting a lot more into this relationship than my partner. And, you know, it's, it's not supposed to be 50-50. We're not supposed to weigh things like that. It's not supposed to be a checklist. You do your part, I do my. No, we're supposed to be complimenting and partnering one, with one another in marriage. But the bottom line is it can be frustrating if you feel like it's lopsided, like, like you got the brunt of the responsibilities. You have uh, the primary, uh, you know, uh, responsibilities in a relationship. You can feel frustrated if you're overworked and, uh, if you, you, you passed over for promotion, have mercy, Lord. Or, you know, you know and, and, and let me tell you something. Frustrating, it, frustration is a societal, you know, it's, it's running so rampant in society that a new thing came, came, came out, which is road rage. You know, just birthed out of anger and disappointment to this frustration at this level where that person will actually participate in harassing another person on the road. You know, when I was coming up, when I was growing up, we didn't know, we didn't know what road rage was. That, that, what, that, what, that didn't exist when I was growing up. Now, the, 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 the accumulated frustration of a society, this, this fast-moving, this fast-paced society has, decide, has, has put us in a position where we can't exercise tolerance or patience. Have mercy, Lord. Lost opportunities, uh, you know, th that can frustrate us. When, when we're working hard with our children to try to, you know, discipline them and, and, and create the proper character and personality and a cordialness, a kindness, a cooperativeness, 
uh, among our children. We're, we're working hard to achieve this in them. And they're still rambunctious. They're still out of control. They're still acting bad. You know, that, that is frustrating to, to be investing the time and energy with children and you don't see the results. Have mercy, Lord. In this season, it's a season where we're juggling a lot, you know, home working. Right? And, then if, if, and then on coupled with homeschooling children, you know, all these new responsibilities, these new uh, uh, things that we got to get adjusted to, juggling so much. We know that frustration can come out. So, so how do we subdue it? How do we deal with it? How, how, do we, how do we deal with life when it feels like nothing is working? When it feels like, you know, you know you're eating up on the inside. You've been eating alive. Or, or it feels like you're bawling on the inside. You know, you're just, just bawling on the inside, just hot and, you know, bawling and upset and, you know, irate. So, so you got to deal with these whole, all these issues that, you, that, that are eating at you. Nothing seems to be working. You, you, you experience a setback. It feels like you're treading water. Uh, it feels like you, you're not able to fix it. And, and you know, guys, we love to try to fix stuff. We try to fix relationships. We try to fi fix everybody and, and, and settle everybody down. And when we just can't fix it, that's frustrating. Uh, it, when, it, when I don't reach my goal, when, when failure it happens when, it, when I can't complete the project, when the deal collapses, or when I'm blocked or denied or overlooked or interrupted, or when I run into a roadblock. It's frustrating, but I can't handle it, or I blow it, or I throw in the t want to throw in the towel, or pack it in, or just simply quit. God has a formula for us to come out of this frustration. He wants us to be renewed by him. Amen. So, so first we got to deal with the problem. The problem. You know, first, first issue is the problem. The, the problem is, in order to not be frustrated, you have to understand what things you control and what things you don't control. Control the controllables and ignore the uncontrollables. And, you know, so what's, 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 What's under my purview? What's under my authority? What, what do I have access to with? Uh, what level of authority access do I have? Can I change it? Am I, and I, un, am I unable to change it? If I'm unable to change it, I need to change my mindset towards it. I shouldn't get in, annoyed so heavily by something that I can't even affect or change at all. Amen? So I got to change my mindset. I got to cool and calm myself down. I got to seek God's peace and his tranquility in my spirit when I see something happening that I don't have any control over. Amen, somebody. So, so, so you can't get annoyed. You, you can't, you know, and then we have terms for it. Well, well he doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't suffer any fools. You know, that's a term to say, well, they, they, get, they get annoyed. They get frustrated with people, and that's just how they are. No, you don't have to be annoyed. You don't have to be frustrated with people. You can learn how to tolerate. You can learn how to be patient. You can learn how to love. You can learn how to show compassion. You can, you can learn how to care. You can learn how to, to exercise self-control, control of me. Amen? Because if I can get control of me, ultimately I'm going to experience more happiness. I'm going to experience more satisfaction. I'm going to experience more joy. I'm going to be better to get along with. I'm going to represent Jesus better. Praise God. My light is going to shine and love is going to be projected from me. So it's important 
that we deal with this problem of the uncontrollables. You know, you need to ask God, God, help me to quickly discern when I'm getting frustrated about something that I can't, can do absolutely nothing about. God, help me to discern that and help me to quickly, you know, turn the page, to, to flip the script, to make a change, to, to change my mindset towards that because it's an uncontrollable. It's something that I can't do anything about. But the things that I can control, number one, me. Me, myself, and I, I can control me. I, I, I can make sure I don't lose uh, my temper. I can make sure I don't get angry. I can, I can make sure that I don't move into these places of bitterness. I can make sure that I put my emotions in check. With the power of God on my side, I can achieve it, praise God. So I got to deal with the problem, the problem of assessing the world incorrectly. You know, uh, in this season, it's some things I can't, you know, the church, we're not, you know, we're not meeting. I, I can't do anything about that, you know, out of order. You know, I can't force that. I, I, I got to accept certain things in this season. And so to be able to adjust in mid-season, to be able, to, be able to, to flow with it and understand that God has a purpose in everything that occurs on the face of the planet. And so when I believe that, I know it's going to be all right. Praise God. Everything is going to be all right. Praise God. Because God got me, and he has you and I. Amen? So, so it's important that we recognize the problem. Secondly, we need to, we need to be, stop projecting onto someone else, you know, what our preferences are. Projecting onto someone else our preferences, our makeup, you know, our disposition, our opinion, even our morals and our, and our ethics. Amen? It's only so much that you can do with somebody else. Number one, you can't change anybody. So, so if you want somebody to change, the only way you can possibly change them, move them toward changing, is to love them and to bless them. But if I, get, if I evidence frustration with them, guess what? You know, they're going to feel that disdain. They're going to feel that contempt. They're going to feel that anger. They're going to feel that bitterness. They're going to feel that resentment that I have towards them. And as a result, I won't have influence over them. I won't bring out joy or peace or hope or optimism or, 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 or the strength to, for them to be able to deal with whatever they're dealing with. So we can't project on others who we are, our makeup, our disposition. First of all, we all have different experiences, different exposures, different backgrounds, different families, different things that we have gone through in life. We all are very different. So why would you have the expectation that somebody would be built exactly like you? I'm an identical twin, and my brother and I have different personalities. They've actually, we've actually taken personality checks, tests, and uh, our personalities are different. He's on one end of the spectrum. I'm on the other end of the spectrum. Because guess what? Even though we spend a lot of time together, we spend a lot of time away from each other. Even though we have similar DNA, our minds process things differently. And as a result, two diverse different personalities were developed out of identical twins. Amen? So, so, so everybody's going to be different. So you can't have a prosecutorial attitude, like, like it's your job to prosecute everything, to determine what's right, what's wrong, who's criminal, what kind of criminal activity is going on. You know, can I, can I be uh, the police uh, of the moral authority? Can I, can I check everybody? Can I say what's right and what's wrong all the time? No, it ain't always your, 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 your responsibility or your place to, to, to be that kind of check on other people's lives. That's being judgmental. That's being condemning. 
And God doesn't want us to do either one. Jesus said, I didn't even come to condemn. I came to seek and save that which was lost. This is a season where we love on people, not condemn them. And, and if, if I already got this, you know, spirit of disdain and contempt for another person because I'm frustrated with them, then I'm going to uh, uh, profile them. I'm going to be intolerant and judgmental and condemning. And not only that, I can become the punisher, not just the profiler, but the punisher. In other words, you know, I take the law in my own hands. Have mercy, Lord. You know, that's what frustration will do. It will lead folk to, you know, doing the wrong thing in dealing with people. God wants us to have the right attitude towards people. The word says in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. It's important that we understand that God knows us. God knows us, and he's the only one that does know us. The word says he knows every hair on our head. He knows every intimate thought that we have. He knows our past, our present, and our future. That's how, that's how big God is. He knows everything about us. So we can't have false, unrealistic expectations about who other people are. Amen? Because that's always going to feel unfulfilling to us if we're judging folk out of the prism of our own experiences and backgrounds and mindsets. Amen? Well, you know, I, I can't expect everybody to be just like me. Personalities are different. Backgrounds are different. Amen? And guess what? I ain't always right. Amen? So, so, so I can't heap on anybody else all my thoughts and all my desires and all my preferences Amen. I can't make them fit into my mold. I'm not God. God is God. So leave the judging to God. And then you'll be less frustrated. Because you'll be, and, and then also, don't be so naive about what might happen. When you go out, you need to start, say, Lord, help me envision some scenarios that I might encounter. Help me envision some situations that might occur. Help me to know that something might happen on my job today that I didn't expect to happen. So, Lord, help me to have the right attitude because some shift, some change, uh, you know, uh, some new assignment, some new approach, some new directive may come down the line. So rather than getting frustrated, oh God, help me to be ready to make the change, to make the shift, to be accepting, to be loving, to be gentle, to be kind. Amen. That's, that's what prayer life, the prayer life does for us. It gives us a spirit of expectation and anticipation. So, so, we, so we, we can kind of know what's coming up. We, we can kind of sense what's coming up, and we can discern. And, and prophetically, we can even know. Amen, somebody. So God would have us to understand that, he, that we are his and don't project on other people. So the solution to frustration, first of all, is to pursue God. Pursuing God is the solution one of the solutions to frustration. You know, the, the word of God says that, uh, that God is the one that knows us. Amen. Psalm 9 and 12. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Amen. He knows about your days, your, your future. Amen. Ephesians 5.15. Look carefully then, now you walk, then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So God knows how to tell you how to make the best use of your time. Amen. Psalm 139 verse 3, you search out our path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. 
guess what? God knows my ways. Amen, somebody. So he knows how I'm built. He knows how I'm designed. He built me. He knows my ways. He knows my attitude. He knows my temperament. He knows my likes. He knows my dislikes. He knows my thoughts. He's the one who truly understands me. So, so we have to pursue him so he can show us our path. Amen. Now, how do I pursue God? First of all, you cannot pursue God if you don't have sincerity. He doesn't, he doesn't tolerate insincerity. He doesn't tolerate inconsistency. You know, some of us, we, we, we come into the faith, but, but uh, we come, you know, halfway, you know, kind of part the way, kind of partially buying in, just feeling like, well, I got time to get, get committed. But, but, but when you get committed, when you pursue him, the word says pursue him diligently. Amen, somebody. Something occurs. Amen. And, 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 and he's available. He's not hiding from us. Sometimes we act like God is playing a hide and go seek. You know, well, let me count to ten and go look for God like he's hiding somewhere. God is not hiding from us. God is available. God is accessible. God is right here, right now. The word, word of God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be with you, praise God. So, so if anybody's hiding, it's you and I. We duck. We dodge. We hide. We do things in a cl in clandestine manner. We, we're the ones who escape and get away from God. We're the ones that's lost. Amen. God isn't lost. He is the one that's ready to receive us once we've come to ourselves. Amen. And, and, and understand and raise our hands and say, hey, I've been lost. I want you. I need you. I desire you. I'm coming after you. I'm chasing after you. I'm pursuing you with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm pursuing you consistently. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have stick to itness in my pursuit of you. Amen. Not inconsistent, but consistent. You know, and to pursue God, you got to also realize there are many misplaced pursuits in our lives. You know, if you're pursuing money, you know, you can't completely pursue God. You know, the word of God says, be careful about the love, the love of money. Not that money is a problem, but the problem is the love of money. It says it leads to all kinds of evils. So, so if, if that's my pursuit, desire to have more and more possessions and things, then, then, then I'm not going to be able to pursue God if that's my first priority. The word of God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things shall be added unto you. So, so he wants us to come, out, come after him with a pure heart. If I, so if I'm just simply pursuing prosperity, I'm not going to experience God. If I'm just simply pursuing pleasure, I'm not going to experience God. If I'm just you know, pursuing happiness aside from God, I'm not, I'm not going to experience God. If I'm just pursuing you know, the palatial estates and the best you know, occupation, profession, the, the most money. It's about pursuing God with a heart for him. And some of us pursue him in such a way, well, let's make a deal, God. You know, like three doors, door number one, door number two, door number two. let's make a deal. Just, just a broker, just a broker. God is not a broker. God wants to be your friend. He wants to be respected and honored. He wants to be loved like he loves you. And he's given himself over for you. Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross for our sin debt. He paid the ransom, amen, for us. He pardoned us with the blood shed, with his own blood being shed, praise God. Some of us, you know, think we pay to play. That's, that's not how we pursue a relationship with God. We pursue it with our hearts. We pursue it by going into the word. We pursue it by prayer. We pursue it by worship. 
We pursue it by, by, by treating everybody right, and we pursue it by developing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, gentleness, kindness, patience, endurance. Amen. Persevering to the end, to the glory of Almighty God. So, so we got to be passionate about our God. Amen. Passionate about his purpose and his plan for our lives. Are we passionate about God's purpose and plan for our lives? Is he our compass? Amen. Does he direct our path? Is he our spiritual, uh, you know, uh, GPS? Uh, have, are we willing to enter into a kind of spiritual boot camp so that we'll experience God? Amen. Because God wants you to know him. God, and in knowing him, I'm able to manage these emotions that can flood in and overtake me. I'm able to deal with uh, life, and I see a God who loves me just for who I am because he understands my weaknesses, he understands my strengths, again, my likes and my dislikes. So you don't have to worry about where you fit in with God. God will show you where you fit in. Yeah, you're frustrated because you don't know where you fit in. Well, God wants to show you where you fit in. You know, he's not going to try to, like the world, put a round hole in a square peg. No. God wants to put you in a, a providential puzzle to put you in the proper place in this world, in your life, in your occupation, in your profession, in your vocation, in your, in your family, in your community. He wants to put you in the right place, and that right place will be fulfilling not frustrating amen somebody so 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 god wants to get us to the right place and god knows how you made up he knows what makes you tick somebody said pastor pastor shriver said you know in, in his book runaway emotions he knows what makes you tick and he knows what ticks you off amen he knows what makes you tick and he knows what ticks you off so so in essence you know, God knows how you're built. He knows how you're designed. He knows your emotional disposition, your, your emotional demeanor. He knows, you know, what pushes your buttons. And he gives you the ability to control that. Not external forces, not outside stuff. You can control it from the inside out. He begins the transformation of our souls and hearts and minds from the inside out. That's the reason the word of God says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind because he transforms you from the inside out. He transforms minds. He, 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 he renews the synapses and the pathways. He understands our wiring, and he's willing to rewire us where we glorify him, honor him, and give him pleasure by our actions, our attitudes, and our, 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 our decisions, our choices, our discussions, our conversations. It all glorifies him when we're living it out according to his plan for our lives. See, a person with a plan is less apt to experience as much frustration as a person without a plan. I'm talking about the plan that God births in you. When, see, God wants to, has a plan for every one of our lives. I mean, not nobody's left out. He has a plan for your life. And in discovering and in realizing and in living out that plan, you will uh, frustration will begin to dissipate in your life because you have a, a, a focus, you have a directive and a direction and you're being led by the spirit of God and the word of God and as a result it's hard for you to get derailed amen somebody, 
you, 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 don't, you don't get up in, up in an uproar about everything because you know where your focus should be. You know where your attention should go. You know what you should give your heart to and what you shouldn't give your heart to. So, so too many people have given their hearts fully to politics. Guess what? If you've given your heart to politics, if you got politics on steroids, you are going to be a frustrated brother or sister because politics will never satisfy. Amen? Too many people have given their heart fully to just education, you know, knowledge, the pursuit of knowledge. Knowledge is good, but education, you know, somebody said, if you got a Ph.D. and no G.O.D., you're just a smart devil. In other, in other words, you need God to balance everything out, even the knowledge that you pursue, even the academic pursuits, even the achievements that you have. You need God to balance that out so that he, your plan can be lined up with his for your life. And your plan, you know, in many instances, his plan for your life lines up with what you wait. It always lines up with how your heart is built. He never steps out of how you're built. He's not going to send you uh, to be a missionary in Africa and he know you don't. You, you don't like that setting. You don't like that. You, you don't, you don't want to consider going down to Caribbean or, or going to South America or you, you're not, you don't have the aptitude for learning language. He's not going to send you. He can send you a mit to a mission field right in your backyard, right in your neighborhood, right at your office, right in your community, right in your workplace. He can give you a specific task and a job to perform which will mitigate, get rid of, minimize frustration in your life when you know you're on task for God. Amen, somebody. So, so in these uncertain times, one thing can be certain, your job description. One thing can be certain, the calling on your life. God has a calling on all of our lives. He, he's calling. He, he called Jeremiah, and Jeremiah heard the call, and Jeremiah was hesitant about the call. Jeremiah was a little fearful about the call, but in the midst of answering that call, of frustrations began to be alleviated in his life and God was able to use him in a tough and difficult season. You hear me? I said in a tough and difficult season. This is a tough and a difficult season. But so, so God can use us even in a rough season, even in a volatile season, even in a season of, of, of things that we see on, on the newsreels and on the 24-hour news segments that really can be frustrating, but don't let it frustrate it. Let your heart not be troubled, the word of God says. Believe in me. Amen. I will comfort and keep you. I will bless you and strengthen you. I will guide you and go before you. I will, I will give you wisdom and discernment and insight so that you can live life strong and you can live life long to the glory of God. So you've got to identify the problems that you have that make you predisposed to judge others and condemn others and, and be intolerant of others. You got to make sure that you don't project you on somebody else because everybody's different. Nobody's just like you. You got to make sure that you pursue God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And you got to make sure that you're passionate about your purpose and God's plan for your life. Amen, somebody. So that's when you'll find rest. The word of God says, come unto me, all ye who are heavy laden, and you'll find rest for your soul. Amen, somebody. You know, uh, it's something, you know, when, when, when folk try to pull you into being frustrated or dissatisfied, just, just, just bask in the spirit for a few moments. Reel it back in and say, God, you got me. 
He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I got you. Amen. In other words, I'm not going to overburden you. I'm not going to overwhelm you. I'm, I'm not going to get you to this place where you feel like you're incapable, but I'm going to take you to a place of capability. Amen. Not inability, ability. I'm going to take you to a place where you're not helpless. I'm going to take you to a place where you are competent. I'm, I'm not going to have you in a place where you feel unfit. I'm going to have you in a place where you feel talented and skilled. I'm not going to have you in a place where you feel, you know, incapable. I'm, you're going to be capable. I'm not going to have you in a place where you feel underqualified. I'm going to take you to a place where you feel eminently qualified to do the work. Amen. I'm not going to have you with feelings of inadequacy. I'm going to have you feeling adequate about the work that I place to your hands because I've given you the unique skills and abilities to get it done in my name. I'm not going to take you to a powerless place. I'm taking you to a powerful place to the glory of Almighty God. I'm not going to have you weak. I'm going to have you strong. That's the God we serve in Jesus Christ. You know, in Jesus, we see this calm disposition. Remember, Jesus is the leader. He models what we need to know and what we need to be about. You know, that, that old wristband used to say, what would Jesus do? And we need to continue to ask that question. It's still a relevant and germane question to our lives right now. What would Jesus do? Amen. Would he be able to absorb the conflict? Would he be able to not lash out? Would he be able to, some, in some instances, turn the other cheek, the, the proverbial other cheek? Not necessarily getting slapped, but, but basically being able to take an insult. We, we get so offended, and offense is the enemy of Satan himself. If I'm, if I'm overly offended, if I can't take a punch, then I'm going to be aggressive, agitated, hostile, volatile, and frustrated. So God doesn't want us frustrated. He wants us in places of peace. He wants us in places of calm. Now, now that doesn't mean that he doesn't want us involved and invested in making a difference to bring about justice and peace and love. But he wants us to do it all out of love, not out of frustration. Too many times we react out of frustration. Too many times we fuss and fight out of frustration. Too many times we insult and attack out of frustration. Too many times we are, our moods take these radical shifts because we're frustrated. God wants us to be even-tempered in this place of joy and rejoicing, in this place of peace and hopefulness, in this place of love and deliverance. But we must diligently seek him, and he can be found and will be found to the glory of Almighty God. The word says in Jeremiah 11:8, yet they did not obey or they inclined their ear, but everyone walked in their stubbornness of his evil heart. Therefore I brought upon them all the words of this covenant which I commanded them to do, but they did not. So, so again, Jeremiah has to go do a rough job, a hard job in a very difficult season, but he stayed on the path in spite of the season. Are you willing to stay on the path in spite of coronavirus? Are you willing to stay on the path in spite of unemployment or underemployment? Are you willing to stay on, path, on the path in spite of not let the frustration of the systems of this world, uh, the political systems, the distribution systems, the food distribution systems, all, all that kind of thing, the unemployment systems, don't let it frustrate it. You say, God, you, you said for me to pray this prayer. Lord, today give me my daily bread. And if he's giving you your daily bread, you ought to be thankful. First of all, to completely overcome, I got to remember what God has done in the past. 
And if he's taken care of me in the past, guess what? He has the power to take care of me into the future. If he's blessed me in the past, he has the power to bless me in the future. If he's blessed me at any, any time in my life, amen, any time in my history, any time when I was down and God brought me to a place of being up and out, circumstances that were difficult or perilous, and God will do just that even now, even more so now. You know, you know when times get tough and rough, do you know something? God gets the most glory out of those times because, you know, then you can truly say, won't he do it? Because you're going to recognize he's the one that did it, not you. Amen. He's the one that maintains your job, not you. And when people are losing their jobs all over the place and you still got a job, you need to be thankful, appreciative. You need to say much obliged. You need to bless, bless the Lord. And even if you've lost a job, it's time to bless God anyhow, to shout hallelujah anyhow. How? You know, there's a season right now in your life where you're home right now. Guess what? There's some things you can do right in that context that God wants you to focus on. There's some things that you can do to even better yourself and reinvent yourself in this season. God wants you to not lose your focus by being paralyzed by frustration. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord God, to respond to our calling. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord God, to respond to your special plan for our lives. In the name of Jesus, help us, Lord God, to even experience some of the desires of our heart according to your will. If we follow your call and we heed your direction. Amen, somebody. The word says, keep your life free from love, the love of money. So money can't be it. It's got to be God. In 2 Peter 1 and 10, it says, Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. Now, now this is what the word says. If you believe the word, if, if the word said it, that settles it. It says, look, if you confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities where you acknowledge and embrace your calling, amen, he says, you will never fail. <laughs> I don't know if you feel that, but I feel that. If I stay in my call and the word of God says, I, don't, I won't fail, he'll meet my needs according to his riches and glory. He'll go with me. He'll go before me. He'll, he'll reduce and minimize issues and problems. He'll, 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 he'll fight my battles. He'll, he'll be my refuge and my sanctuary. He's the love of my life, and, and, and I'm thankful to God that he invites us to love on him. So Jeremiah 29 said, if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Jeremiah said, when I think about, you know, not doing God's will, when I think about not fulfilling the calling of God on my life, when I think about you know, all these things. He says, it's something within me. It's like fire. You know, it's, 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 it's combustible. It's, it's, it's ignited on the inside of me. And that fire is shut up in my bones. And it's that light, that power, that energy, that excitement. It's got to come out about God. Amen. And guess what? When you got fire, you can fight fire. You know, you know firemen who fight these uh these wilderness fires, they know that in order to fight fire, you got to fight fire with fire. 
Amen. So, so, so in order to fight against the fire, that which is combustible, that which will infiltrate and infect and come in, you got to have some fire. You got to meet fire with fire. And the fire of the anointing, the fire of the Holy Spirit is what we got to have. In this season, we did the fire of the Spirit, the fire of our God, the fire of Jesus burning bright in us that we can let our light shine and fulfill our call to the glory of Almighty God so that we can fight off any frustration, any fear, or any doubt. Would you pray with me for a moment? Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Eternal God, we love you. And we're thankful that you love us. We're thankful, Lord God, that you give us the ability to deal with the various emotions that we grapple with. Help us, Lord God, to, to bring those emotions under your anointing, your directives, and your guidance. Help us, Lord God, to be able to fuel life properly, not with negative stuff, but with the stuff that fuels us toward fulfilling our calling, doing what you ask us to do with let it burn in us. Let it come on fire in us is our prayer in Jesus' name. And the people of God said amen. I want to invite somebody uh, to, to come and to, uh, to make a decision for Jesus.